Amen, amen. Y'all let these ladies know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Great, great stuff. Well, you got a Bible with you? Say amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3 is where we find ourselves. If you're a guest of ours, we're going verse by verse through this particular letter written by Paul the Apostle to the church at Ephesus. And Ephesians chapter 3 is where we find ourselves today. And as you're opening up your Bibles, I kind of want you to think about Paul the Apostle for a moment, all right? Paul the Apostle has been declared to be um, probably the greatest Christian to ever live on the planet, right? So individuals, when they talk about Christianity and they kind of begin to rate or rank who were great Christians, Paul typically hits the very top of the list. But why is that? I mean, why was Paul considered by so many scholars today to be the number one Christian who ever lived? Well, one of the main reasons is because of all that Paul endured. You know, Paul the Apostle went through great hardship uh, for the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was thrown into jail on many occasions for sharing Jesus with others. He as well was uh, beaten within the inch of his life uh, because he was faithful to the message of Christ. But I want you to think about the day that Paul the Apostle died. And I don't know the exact day. But could you imagine what it must have been like when Paul breathed his last breath here on earth and then he stood before Jesus in heaven? I mean, think about the uh, first time having that uh, glorious opportunity to stand face to face for the one that you endured so much pain and suffering for. And then Jesus, looking at Paul the Apostle, without a doubt would have made these uh, particular words uh, ring in heaven. He would have said to Paul, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You know, when you think about that, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, I've heard that phrase used uh, tons of times. I mean, I grew up in church, so I heard a lot of preachers uh, use that phrase. I've been to a lot of funerals as well and heard uh, pastors as they were preaching funerals talk about that phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've even heard people shout and scream, hallelujah, amen, right, when they heard those words stated in a church service because they're saying, that's what I want to hear. But, but I got a question for you to consider this morning. Is every follower of Jesus really going to hear those words? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, listen, Jesus uh, cannot lie. Are y'all listening, yeah? So he cannot lie. So when you stand before Jesus, the only way you're going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, is if you did a good job and you were faithful. You know, the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians about individuals who make it into heaven but have nothing to show for themselves. In other words, they make it into heaven by the grace of Jesus Christ, but because they did not really fulfill the mission that Jesus had for them, they were not receiving any rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is not going to look at individuals like that and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because he'd be telling a story. But what I want you to think about today is, your last breath. If Jesus tarries and you pass away and you stand face to face to the Lord Jesus Christ, will Jesus look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Here, here's a thought. What I want to do this morning is I want us to see how Paul the apostle lived. He's actually going to tell us in chapter 3 of Ephesians how he lived. And I'm going to basically say to you that what we learn from Paul the Apostle's life can be applied to every single one of our lives. And if we will live in this manner, you and I will actually hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In fact, I want you to think about it like this because I have a key question for this morning. And that is, what can you do today so you will hear well done tomorrow? 
What can you do today? How can you live today so that you hear well done from Jesus tomorrow? So Ephesians chapter 3. Y'all ready for it now? Say amen. All right, let's stand to our feet and see what the Bible says. Paul is writing, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Just real quick, uh, real quick question. We just read the first verse. Where was Paul the apostle whenever he wrote this letter? Yeah, he was in prison. Y'all want to try again? Where was Paul the apostle when he wrote this letter? Yeah, he was in jail. Why was he in jail? Because he was sharing the message of Jesus. So they threw him in jail, but he remained faithful. All right, verse 2, the Bible says, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote to you in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles, they are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that the manifold wisdom of God might be known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. Let's bow. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we pray now that you would help us to live in such a way today so that we hear, well done tomorrow, and we'll give you glory for it. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. All right, so as you're seated this morning, uh, there's a, a TV show that gets on my last nerve. It's, um, it's called Unsolved Mysteries. Anybody ever heard of this before? Y'all help me out. Y'all with me? Say, yeah, all right, I'm preaching up here. All right, Unsolved Mysteries. The reason I can't stand the uh, TV show is because uh, because the mysteries are all, yeah, they're unsolved. That drives me nuts. So you watch for like an hour, and they tell you what could have happened, what might have happened, what should have happened, and then they just like, show's over. Are you, does that not heartburn you guys? It does me, right? I'm thinking, find that cat who killed those people. He's still at large, probably in Claremont. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, do something about this unsolved mystery. But the unique thing about Ephesians chapter 3 is Paul comes right out of the gate and talks about a mystery. But this mystery is solved. Now, just so you're aware, there was a category of time when the mystery was unsolved. And that was whenever the Old Testament prophets were declaring the coming of a Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And the reason that it was considered unsolved is because all of those believed as they read the Old Testament scripture that God was going to send a Messiah who would come and be a king on the earth. And he would set up a kingdom which would last forever. And the reason that they believed that that's what the Messiah would do is because that's what God promised would happen. Matter of fact, God promised that to King David. He said, through your seed, one will come who will establish an eternal kingdom. So the Jews are looking for a king to come. However, when Jesus came the first time to the earth over 2,000 years ago, he did not come as a king upon the earth. Instead, he came, Isaiah 53, Old Testament, as a suffering servant. 
One who would die and be crushed for our iniquities. But because he did not fit the category of most Jewish ideas, many of them rejected the Lord Jesus. He was put on a cross, he was buried, then was raised again, and then he established what we now call the church. Now the church isn't a building. The church, the word is ecclesia in the Greek New Testament. It literally means the company of the called out ones. And so that's the church. All of those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus. The mystery is that Jesus, his first coming, did not come as a king, but as a suffering servant. The mystery as well is that Jesus did not just come for the Jewish nation. He came for the whole world. And if you're not a part of the Jewish nation, you should have said amen right there. So that's what he did. So he's established now the church. Now the church has this goal in mind to live in such a way that when we stand before Jesus, that we hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So with that mystery now solved in the person of Jesus, I want us to pretend that we're interviewing Paul the Apostle today. And I want us to kind of put him down on a chair and just ask him, say, Paul, uh, tell us. We want to hear Jesus say, well done. Tell us what we need to do. Now, what we're going to see are four answers to that simple question, right from the text. And this is what Paul would say to you as well as to myself. Here's the first thing. You might want to jot this one down somewhere if you're taking notes. I want you to know that Paul would say you, first of all, need to give yourself to the mission. Give yourself to the mission. And that was Paul the Apostle. He came to faith in Jesus Christ, life radically transformed, and he surrendered himself to the mission which was given by the Lord Jesus. Now, very quickly, what is the mission? Now, this is pretty simple. Jesus said it like this, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was the mission given, check it out, to the church. Every follower of Jesus is in now on that mission. So Paul says, if you want to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, you first of all have to give yourself over wholeheartedly to that mission, to living it out in your life. And that's what Paul did. If you can notice here in verse 2, Paul says that he was made a ma manager of God's grace for the sake of those who were in Ephesus. In verse 3, he's actually magnifying the fact that God by grace gave him the solution to the mystery. And then in verse 4, we kind of see it come about. He says, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations, notice this, other generations, it was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So what is Paul saying there in verse 4? He's saying, look, the full story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was not understood by previous generations. They did not get it. However, since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the fact that he's building this church has been revealed to the apostles and to the prophets in the Spirit. What does this mean? This means that God actually gave the message of grace for the whole world to these original men so that they could equip others who would come to faith in Jesus to carry out the mission upon the earth. 
That's all of our calling. Paul highlights the fact that he was called to share with the Gentiles in verse 6 that they were fellow heirs. In other words, I know you're Gentiles and you didn't grow up with the same Jewish tradition that even I grew up with, but here's what I want you to know. Paul's saying, you're an heir to the promises of God. He says, you're a fellow members of the body. You're fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, the word gospel is euangelion in the Greek New Testament. It means the good news. So because you have received this good news, you're now a part of this awesome thing called the church and what God is doing through the church on the earth. Now, through the gospel of Jesus, we learned last week that you're not only reconciled to God by faith in the Lord Jesus, but check this out, eyeball to eyeball for a moment. Whenever you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're also reconciled to others. So the Jews and the Gentiles are reconciled to one another because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 7, Paul the Apostle states how he understands where he fits. He says this, and I love this. He says, of which, referring to the gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. So if we were to ask Paul, Paul, tell me what your mission in life was. Here's how Paul would respond. He would say, my mission is to share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of who Jesus is, to every single person that I come into contact with. That's my mission. That's what Paul would say. Now, this mission is the same. Are y'all listening say yes? This mission is the same for every single follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have this ministry to carry the gospel forward. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God gave you the ministry of reconciliation. So you have the message now because of Jesus, how people can be reconciled to God, and also you have the message about how people can be reconciled to one another through Jesus. So you've been given that ministry of reconciliation. Matter of fact, uh, Paul, even writing to uh, the church at Philippi, he commends the believers there because of their participation in the gospel. And he says to that church, from the first day until now. I love that phrase because what Paul is saying is, look, church at Philippi, I'm all fired up about you because you've been participating in the gospel from the first day that church was started till the day I wrote that letter. It's just an awesome picture. So there's this idea that you and I, as followers of Jesus, need to be involved in uh, carrying forth the ministry of reconciliation, sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say it to you like this, your mission in life is. Now, before I even give you the answer, let me, let me kind of share this with you real quick. In our uh, current modern day leadership culture, there are a lot of uh, leadership gurus who go around, sit down with Fortune 500 companies and share specifically with the leaders of those companies how they can put out a personal mission statement. In fact, it's pretty interesting. I know how to mash mute. Y'all with me say amen? But anyway, so uh, what ends up happening is people sit down and they really they strive very hard to try to write out this very first mission statement for their own personal lives. Here's all I want you to know. When you come to faith in Jesus, Jesus gives you a mission. And what's awesome is this. Your mission as a follower of Jesus is to participate in sharing the message of Christ with other people. And whenever you realize that this is your mission and you give yourself fully to that mission, you're going to discover that you remain focused in your life regardless of the distractions and the difficulties that come. That was true in Paul's life. Paul the apostle was ostracized 
from his friends, but he remained faithful to the mission. Paul was ridiculed for his belief, but he stuck to the mission. Paul was beaten for sharing Jesus, but he stuck to the mission. Paul was in prison for sharing the gospel, but he stuck to the mission. You see, when you know your mission, regardless of how difficult your life becomes, you stick to the mission. Listen, God did not redeem you so you can mull through life and do nothing for the kingdom of God. God did not redeem you just so you can show up and see, you know, be a part of church on Sunday morning. God did not redeem you so it could change your Sunday morning plans. God redeemed you to change your entire life and eternity. And God brought you into the kingdom and he says this, and if I could imagine for just a moment, Jesus speaking directly to you, Jesus would say, look, if you're going to follow me, I want you to be involved in my mission. And my mission is to reach others with the good news. So if you're going to follow me, this is what you're going to be a part of. So if you want to hear well done tomorrow, then you got to make sure you're a part of that mission today. In fact, I would say to you this morning that uh, not every single one of us are wired the exact same. And all of God's people said, amen, right? So we're not wired the exact same, but we are wired by God and we're redeemed by the Lord. And while we may not go about getting the message of Jesus out Uh, the same because we're wired differently, we still have to be involved in getting the message out. In fact, when you adopt God's mission for your life, you're going to find that you don't lose focus very easily as well. You're going to find that you become creative in getting the message of Jesus out to those who are around you. So you got to help spread the message. If you want to hear well done tomorrow, you got to be faithful in sharing the message of Jesus today. Everybody still with me? Say amen. All right, let me give you a second point. All right, so we're still interviewing Paul. Paul will be like this. Uh, Make sure you give yourself to the mission, if you want to hear well done. And then also, here's what I want you to know. Paul would say this to you. He would say, I want you to be energized by the presence of God. Be energized by his presence. That's the second thing he would say. Look at verse 7 again. Because Paul brings this about. He says, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Now think about this. This is pretty awesome. Uh, two, two cool words here in that verse. One word is the word work. Uh, that word is um, from the Greek New Testament. gives us the English word for energy. So think about this. What is working inside Paul to keep him moving with the mission of Jesus? It is the energetic power and presence of God. And then you got this word dynamic. That word from the uh, Greek New Testament gives us the English word um, dynamic. (laughs) Y'all with me say amen? I just royally blew that. But it's the word power, which gives us the English word dynamic. It's dunamis in the Greek. Some people have even said that's the word that gives us dynamite, right? So th- this is what Paul would say. It's like, Paul, how in the world are you involved in doing the mission? How, do you, how are you so faithful to it? He, he would say this too, because the presence of God is with me. And when the presence of God is with me, he is working energetically through me, and he has given me dynamic power to be obedient to the Lord. Here's something crazy, because whenever I talk about you being involved in carrying the mission of Jesus forward, some of you are like, I'm not a preacher. I didn't ask you to be a preacher. We got one. <laughs> and some of you are like, well, I'm not a teacher either. Well, listen, that may not be, you know, God's wiring for you. Uh, so here's the thing. God doesn't call you to something you can do. He doesn't look at you and say, I think, he didn't look at me and say, I think Levi will be a great preacher or a pastor. I think, I, I think that's what, I think he would, because look at how he's wired. You know, he seems like he kind of is friendly to people. 
That's not why he called me. Listen, uh, the last thing that I would have ever thought that I'd be doing for a living is pastoring a church. When I grew up, most pastors I knew were sissies. Are y'all listening to me? And I'm like, I didn't want to follow those cats, right? That's not, and now I'm wearing pink. But anyway, so, beside the point. But God, God calls you not to something that you have the ability to do, because if he called you to do something that you have the ability to do, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't need to trust the Lord. You'd be like, I got this, God. No, no, no. God calls you to do things that you really probably don't have the ability to do so that you will trust in the Lord and, and you will rest in his presence to energetically and dynamically work through your life. And that's the thing. Some of you are totally missing out on what God really saved you to do because uh, he saved you for so much more than showing up to church on Sunday. He saved you so that you could be a part of his mission. And not only has he wired you, but he also calls you to step out oftentimes in faith, trusting him to use you. you got to believe God for that. And listen, if you don't, you're just going to kind of mull through life. And even though you may be a follower of Jesus, you're going to die and stand before Jesus, and you'll have nothing to show for your life. Listen, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Matter of fact, uh, in the New Testament, Paul describes the church um, as his crown when he stands before Jesus. In other words, Paul says, when I die, I'm going to stand before Jesus. And he says to the church of Philippi, and you are my crown. In other words, Paul is saying, I want to minister and help you in such a way so that when I stand before Jesus, I get a crown because of my faithful service to you. So you, you know what that means? That means y'all are my crown. Heaven help us. Isn't that a crazy thought? But the idea is this. I want to help you and equip you to do the work of the ministry because that's what a pastor is supposed to do. So when I help you and talk to you and press you on this issue of sharing Jesus, what I'm doing is I'm trying to prepare you for when you stand before Jesus as a follower of Christ. But I'm also simultaneously trying to get myself ready. So this is massive. You've got to trust God's power to use you. You've got to really lean in and grab hold of the mission that God has for your life. You don't want to miss that, man. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Here's the third thing that uh, Paul would say to us, and I like this one. And, and again, you've got to imagine we're interviewing Paul, right? So Paul's like, T keep going. We love this. This is good stuff. Don't y'all think it's good stuff? All right, so if you... <laughs> y'all look so nervous. Yes, yes, whatever you say. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's good stuff. So Paul would be like, we say, Paul, tell me something more. Y'all want, want to say that to Paul? Y'all say, y'all tell him, say, tell me something more. So you don't have to hold out the word more. Tell me something more, just more. Here it is. Jot this one down. Uh, reach those that he has given to you. Reach those that he's given to you. And I love this one. Verse eight, the Bible says to me, Paul writing, the very least of all the saints, grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul realized that God gave him a mission, and he gave him an assignment. He says, Paul, I want you to reach out to the Gentiles. Now, we know this came from God because if Paul were going to choose who he was going to share the gospel with, he would have never put the Gentiles on his list. Remember, he grew up a devout Jew. In the book of Philippians, he even described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, from the nation of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin. These are all very Jewish terms to talk about his Jewish roots. And Jews grew up trying to avoid Gentiles for the most part. They didn't want to get the unclean cooties. Y'all with me? So it's like, stay away from them. So now Paul receives a word from the Lord. I want you to go and I want you to share the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. 
This was a massive leap. This was a strong calling in his life. Now, Paul says, uh, the least of all. I'm the least of all saints. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's almost like uh, Paul was saying, out of everybody you could have chosen, I should have been the last one to go to the Gentiles. But think about it from God's perspective. From God's perspective, who better to send to the Gentiles than a converted Jew to walk in and say, I want to talk to you about a Jewish Messiah who died on the cross for the whole world. Listen, that actually spoke volumes. Now, just so you don't kind of get sideways thinking about this idea of focusing in on certain people, I want you to know that this not only happened in Paul's life, it also happened in Peter's life. The Bible says in Philippians, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2 verse 8, for he, speaking about God, listen to this verse, who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised. I was hoping we wouldn't have to bring that up again. Amen. Well, there it is. He also, Paul says, effectually worked in me so that I might reach the Gentiles. Now, what was Paul saying? Paul was saying this. Look, Paul said God chose Peter to actually reach out to the Jews. God chose me and set my attention on the Gentiles. And so I go to them now to share with them the unfathomable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that being said, I want you to think about your life. Uh, God has a mission for uh, the message of his son Jesus to go to the entire world. Now, if you're part of his family, you're part of that mission. Uh, the question is, how are you doing? And then secondly, here's what I would, I would kind of get out there to you, uh, just so you're aware, you and I, uh, let me say it to you like I'm just talking to you. You can't reach the whole world with the gospel. You can't. Not in and of yourself. I can't reach the whole world with the gospel by myself. I really can't. The Lord knows this. But here's the deal. God has put us where we are at this particular time in our lives so that we would reach those who are around us. Matter of fact, I want you to think about all this. Uh, God in his sovereignty puts you where you live, where you work, and where you play so that you would come into contact with individuals who do not know the Lord. Because he wants you to be the conduit through which the good news of Jesus is shared with those people. Now, here's the thing. If you're not careful, you'll get so consumed and burdened down and worried with the cares of this world that it drowns your focus and attention on the mission of Jesus. Isn't that what happens oftentimes? The reason some people who grew up in church and maybe have been involved in a great way uh, the reason they're not really involved in getting the message of Jesus out is because they're too busy trying to make a living. So I'm just trying to pay bills, man. You know, I'm just trying to make sure I clock in and clock out at the right time. I'm just trying to make sure that I keep my wife happy. Are y'all with me saying, yeah? Like no man moved when I said that. <laughs> but oftentimes what we totally forget is to receive wisdom from God is to see life from God's perspective. So God gave you that job because he knew so-and-so is over there and doesn't know him. He said, I'm going to give you that job. I'm going to put you around those people. You're going to be on that team. You're going to be a part of that board. You're going to be in that school. You're going to sit at that table. You're going to be uh, living in that neighborhood because the Lord's like, I got some people there I want to reach. And I'm putting you there on purpose because I want you to be the conduit through which I reach them. Isn't that amazing? But isn't it true most churches today are dying? Most churches today are in decline. Matter of fact, just in the Southern Baptist Convention, that's what's happening with our churches. Uh, the majority of them, literally, the majority, are actually declining. That means every single year, 
they're reaching less and they're losing more. What's going on with that? Here, here's what I think is going on with that. People have not given themselves to the mission. People are not relying upon the power of God. And people are not reaching the folks that God put around them to reach. So what I'm saying to you is God wants to use you. And if you die today, I want you to be ready to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But if you want to hear that, you've got to be like, I'm giving myself to the mission. I'm trusting your power to use me. And God, I'm going to pray for those that you put around me who do not know you. And I'm going to begin to share the good news of Jesus with them. That's, listen, everybody with me say amen. That is every follower of Jesus' calling. Every one of us. Every one of us. So if we're not doing that today, how can we expect him to say, well done tomorrow? Now, I want you to also think about our church body. Our church body, Concord, has a target, which sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? We have a goal. How about that? Y'all down with me? I don't want us to be shooting people. Amen? I mean, I'm in Claremont now. I've got to be careful what I say. 228,000 unchurched people in the counties that surround this church building. 228,000. And what we have done is we said we want to reach those. That's why we're so serious about planning new church campuses. That's why 777 exists. Because in seven years, we want to plant seven new church campuses. We want to be involved in seven countries internationally. The reason that we say, all right, let's focus in. Let's have a target. Let's try to reach those up in White County. Let's try to reach those over in East Hall. Let's try to reach those over in Lumpkin. Let's try to reach. The reason that we're saying that is because we've got a target. We've got a goal. We've got somewhere we're trying to go because we realize we're only here for a short amount of time. And we want to give ourselves as a church to the mission of making disciples. Now, here's the deal. When we step out to follow God, it builds our faith corporately. When you step out and reach your neighbor, when you step out and reach that person you work with, when you step out and reach that person that you're involved in sports with, when you step out, that builds your faith individually. And what I have discovered is those who are reaching out as individuals so that others might know Jesus. They are the ones who are most fired up about corporately reaching out to see more people come to faith. Listen, Paul would say to us, and I'm just telling you, this is what he would say. He'd be like, give yourself to the mission. He would say, man, not only that, you've got to be energized by the power and presence of God. And then he would say to you, and you've got to reach those that God has for you to reach. Listen, I, you know, sometimes I do the eyeball thing where you look at me in your eyeballs. So look at me, look at me, look at me. Everybody with me say amen. Listen, I, w- I wish it was just you and me for a second. I'm not going to point at you. I've already done that once. So I'll just do this. Y'all with me? Listen, you are called to reach people. You are. Me? Yes. Not me. No, you. That's your calling. God's put that on your life. He's put it on my life as well. 
All right, now here's the fourth thing, and I got to give this to you quickly. But uh, you got to remember the why, because that keeps you motivated. Remember the why, because it keeps you motivated. Why did Paul uh, continue? Even though he was thrown in jail, even though there were difficulties, why did he keep rolling out? Well, he says a couple of things here. Verse 9, he says, uh, because he's bringing to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. And again, just very quickly to make it real simple, uh, the mystery was Jesus to redeem all of those Jew and Gentile alike who came to faith in him. Those who were not in the know about that truth were in the dark. And so Paul says, what motivates me when I get up every morning is the fact that I know there are still people in the dark and I need to bring them into the light. That's the motivation. So what should motivate you to make sure you're reaching out where you work, where you live, where you play? It should be the fact that there are still people who are in the dark. And Paul was like, regardless of what happened to him, throw him in prison, beat him. Remember Paul, he was the one that says, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. He says, regardless, this is the mission. This is what I'm called to. I'm going to be a part of this. And never seen one of us. And we've got to have that same attitude. Why? Because people are still in the dark. And they still need to be brought to light. It's a massive call. So that motivated him. But there was something else that motivated him. And I've never seen it before until I studied this text. Y'all ready to hear what it is? It's crazy. Crazy good. Uh, verse 10. Y'all got your Bible? Y'all like doing Bible studies? All right, I do. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Now check this out. Look at me. I'm all, I'm all. Rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Who are those folks? Here, here's who they are. Uh, they are angels. Now, the Bible says that God has manifold wisdom. Uh, if you can think about it, it just means manyfold, right? So if you got many folds, God's like got so many, so much wisdom, it's all folded up. It's like that. Y'all see what I'm saying? And God says, I wanna, I wanna reveal my wisdom to the angels in glory, because the angels are not omniscient. They don't know all things, they're still learning about God. He says, I want to reveal my wisdom to the angels in glory. <laughs> and Paul says, and the way that God is doing that is through the church. That's nuts. So Paul's like, don't, don't, don't be all you know, saddened about my tribulation. It's for your glory. He's motivated because he knows ultimately God is in the process. Even when it doesn't make sense to him, God is still in the process of doing something great. Can you imagine that? When, you're, when, when you are faithful to the message of Jesus, where you live, where you work, and where you play, could you imagine that God may be bumping an angel in heaven and saying, I'm going to show a little more of my wisdom to you now. And I want you to look down there at uh, Ed's life. Look at him. Look, look at the pressure he's got going on. Look, look at it. But he's going to remain faithful. Watch, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And the angels are like, how? Is that happening? And God is like, because I am personally working through him. And the angels are like, holy cow. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that crazy? Now, don't, don't forget, because sometimes we're so, you know, uh, earthly minded, we never think about, you know, heavenly things. You know, the Bible says, set your uh, minds on things above. What's going on above? The Bible says when, a, when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. 
The Bible says the angels are looking over into salvation. They're like, how in the world is this going on? This is crazy. God, you're awesome. And then uh, the angels are also looking over, and they're like, how in the world is Paul remaining faithful even though he's facing all this persecution? Oh, my goodness, God, you must be giving him the power to do it. And we see your wisdom. <laughs> Amen, sister. Isn't that crazy? Here's what I want you to think. Whenever you are involved in the mission, whenever you are reaching those that God has given to you, whenever you're being energized by God, and then sometimes you're just discouraged, you think to yourself, man, I'm not making a difference. My life is pitiful. I want you to think about this. God may have your life on a lesson plan for one of his angels. And he's using you to be faithful even when you feel like you're not making a difference so that he can pull back a little more of his wisdom and show the angels of glory. Pretty wild, yeah? That's crazy good. What kind of good is it? Crazy good. So live that out because here's the deal. I've shared this with you now. You've you, you received it, I hope. If you say, okay, Levi, I hear what you're saying. That's all good and stuff, but I'm going to keep doing my own thing. Well, don't expect to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't expect to receive any sort of reward at the judgment seat of Jesus, which, by the way, we're going to cast back in worship and praise of Jesus. So, so if you're not receiving any reward, you're going to be there, uh, as the Scripture says, naked with nothing to give to Jesus as a way of saying, thank you for your great salvation. I don't want you to be that way. I want you to have awards crowns that you're casting at the feet of Jesus like nobody's business. But if you want that, you've got to live today so you can hear, well done tomorrow. So last question. If this was it, last breath today, what would you hear Jesus say? Uh, excuse me, Jesus, I, I know I'm, I'm dead now. And I don't know I'm with you. But I really had planned on doing some stuff. I got so stirred up sometimes, Jesus, at church, and I really was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after it, but, but, I, but I just got so busy. Is that? Is that your uh, testimony to Jesus as a follower of Christ? Oh, my goodness, please don't let it be. Because if it is, and I hear it, I'm going to be like, I don't know who those people are. I don't know. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Help us to live today so we hear a well done tomorrow. And with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, you just need to answer that question. If you die today, what would you hear? And uh, if you're not hearing well done, my good and faithful servant, then what do you need to do? What sort of obedience you need to apply? You've got to get involved in the mission, man. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you're a follower of Jesus and right now you're just trying to recommit and say, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I want to be a part of this mission. I want to reach those that you've given to me to reach. I mean, you just, right now, you just commit yourself to the Lord afresh and anew. You walk out of here with that passion, that desire. But if you're here today and you're like, Levi, I'm involved in that. I'm doing that. Well, this is the time of the service where I really need you to pray for those who are here who don't know Christ. Because there are people in this room who've not made a decision to follow Jesus. They might believe in Jesus, but they believe in Jesus kind of like uh, the demons do. I mean, the demons believe in Jesus, but they haven't received salvation, freedom 
from the penalty of their sin, which was death. So if that's you here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, let me just encourage you. God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you, but what separates you is sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. The payment of our sin is death and hell. But God graciously paid the penalty of our sin for us. On the cross at Calvary, his son died for us. That's it. Jesus died for your sin in your place. He was buried and resurrected. Now the Bible says, listen, turn from your sin. Place your full trust in Jesus. You'll be forgiven of your sin. And your debt of death will be paid. Oh, what a free gift. That's grace. So if you need that this morning, just right where you are, you can just call out to the Lord. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you just call out, say something like this, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness. So today I'm turning from my sin and placing my trust in Christ. Help me to be unashamed starting today of who you are. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if that's your prayer and you just gave your life to Jesus, the first step of obedience is baptism. And in a moment, we'll stand to our feet and begin to sing. And as we sing, we'll have an invitation. So I'm going to invite you to come. If you've prayed and given your life to Jesus today or maybe even in the past, but you've just not been baptized, man, you come forward. We want to set you up an opportunity to be baptized. A baptized, uh, by, by the way, happens after salvation. So if you just prayed to receive Jesus with me right here, right now, but you say, oh, I was baptized when I was seven or eight. Listen, you weren't baptized that day. You had an extra bath. Baptism is after salvation because that's when you go public about being a follower of Jesus. So you need to be scripturally, biblically baptized. So I'm going to invite you to come. God may be calling you to join this church body. You've been visiting for a while. You sense this is where God really wants you to be as a, as a family or as an individual. And you're like, I want, to, I want to partner with these folks in moving forward with the mission of making disciples. If that's you, you come as well this morning. Father, we give you the invitation. Pray you'd work. That's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing, you come this morning.